Well, it's a great words, aren't they, to have uh, sung in prayer. And certainly as we come to the Bible now, the phrase or the couple of lines that may say on my heart as we turn to the Bible now is the, uh, just look at it, the first couple of lines in the, verse, the third verse. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Uh, and that's really what we're thinking about uh, from uh, the book of Acts today is uh, coming of the Lord God, asking him to renew our minds by his word, uh, to grasp the great plans that he has for, for, for each of us here today. So that's uh, very much in my mind and my heart. Five and a half years ago, uh, I stood there with 50 or so uh, other folks at the uh, 6.30 service, and uh, you all sent us out on, uh, on basically to be missionaries, really. And we went all the way down the road. Uh, to, to uh, plant a, a new church. Uh, and uh, last year, uh, I was given the opportunity, as asked to, to do something, which led to me reflecting uh, upon Christian mission in the UK. Now, what is it like evangelising or doing Christian mission in, in the UK in, in the context that we have here? And uh, part of my preparation to, before I went uh, uh, and did this was to contact uh, a number of church planters uh, that I know across the UK and uh, kind of uh, seek their advice out and, and ask them their experience. What were they finding in trying to reach out uh, where they were and ask people in the north, in the south, east, west, uh, around the country? And here, here are uh, some of their thoughts they predominantly spoke about secularism, you know, the, the environment which we live that's decided uh, to live and exist and run things outside of God and uh, just get on with it without, without him, and materialism, secularism and materialism. Here's what one person said. This person uh, got a number of African friends and he said this, an African friend told me uh, when he visited he'd never heard of an African atheist. You have to prove God exists before getting a hearing for the gospel. I shared that comment in a room full of about 150 or so church leaders, many of them Africans. And I said, well, have you heard of an African atheist? And one guy put his hand up and said, yes, he had heard of an African atheist. To which the guy who was leading the seminar with me uh, stood up and, uh, and said, forever and more, made the whole place fall about laughing, said, I think your friend's lying, <laughs> you know, if he says that he's an atheist. <laughs> That's the context in Africa. The context here is quite different. You've got to prove God exists before getting a hearing for the message of Jesus. Does that ring true with your friends, neighbours, people you work with? Uh, another one said, um, said this, our culture views Christian norms on, say, abortion or sexuality as immoral. Right? Our, our culture views Christian norms as immoral. So God is immoral, Christ is immoral. You've got to get over that first before getting a hearing for the gospel. Uh, materialism. Money and materialism have brought contentment. People seem to just not care about anything important as our culture is so superficial. That's a church leader trying to reach out. 
Uh, Most people think Christianity is completely irrelevant. We have found reaching men almost impossible. Uh, And, uh, you know, when I read that, my heart went out to that guy. Uh, But it rings true, doesn't it? We've found reaching men almost impossible. Well, the verse uh, that I'm really kind of focusing my mind and our minds on is verse 8 of Acts chapter 1. So do turn and have that open in front of you, page uh, 1092. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I find that tremendously encouraging. Uh, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Acts, of course, is the second, we know this, of a two-part series by Dr. Luke. Uh, The first is Luke's Gospel, the second, of course, is the book of Acts. So just turn with me, get your place there in in Acts, and turn back to to the beginning of Luke, to uh, Luke chapter 1, page 1023, uh, I think, then, in the the NIV. Uh, And uh, Luke here tells us why he wrote, I think, both volumes. Uh, And in uh, verse 1, he talks about things that have been fulfilled. He's writing about fulfillment. That is, things that have come about to do with God's plan, God's purposes, God's will. That's what he's writing about, the fulfillment of God's plan. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So he's writing about the fulfilment of God's plan. Verse 2, he talks about eyewitnesses, folks who've passed on reliable information that they've heard and seen with their own eyes about God's plan and purposes. Just verse 2, as uh, they were handed down to us by those whom, uh, who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. And then verse 3, he's talking about having done some careful investigation. Uh, Robin, earlier on was, Robin earlier on was encouraging us to, to make careful investigation and to really know that we can trust the Bible. And here Luke says, I've done the careful investigation, you can trust what I write to, uh, to be true. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So that, why? He's talking about the fulfilment of God's plan. He's talking about uh, having eyewitness, having witnessed it, and then him himself having made a careful investigation so that these three great things lead to what? So that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Confidence. It should all lead to confidence. So as we read the book of Luke, as we read the book of Acts, we should grow in confidence in God's plan. Plan for us uh, and plan for the world and how those things have all come about. I think that's just great, isn't it? I need to hear that. Those church planters that I quoted earlier on, they need to hear that uh, to keep us going, to keep us confident. Just what we need to hear in a secular, materialistic context that we all live in. That's the beginning of Luke. Turn on to the end of the book. Uh, And what I'm showing you is stuff that I've been shown myself. I've never had an original thought in my life uh, or things that that I've learned. I've been taught by uh, other people and there are people that are smirking and laughing. You know it's true. 
uh, what I've just said. I, I, I'm a thickie and, I, and I've been taught these things. When I was shown uh, verses 46 and 47 of Luke 24, my eyes opened up to just get a handle on, on, on how the two books hold together. Verse 46, 47 are a great summary of both books. Verse 46 is a great summary of Luke's Gospel. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. He told them, this is what is written. It's about fulfilment. Those things that were written in the past, those things that have come about, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. That's what Luke's Gospel is all about. That's what we can be confident about. Jesus, uh, God's Son, coming to the world, suffering, dying, and rising again. Uh, fulfilment language. Be confident about the gospel. Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection. But verse 47, it's a great summary of Acts, the second book. Uh, And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Uh, And uh, the book of Acts is all about repentance and forgiveness being preached to all people. It spreads out to the whole world. So I think there's a fantastic summary verses there of both books. But look with me at the little three-letter word that links the two verses, and, and. See, verse 46, it is God's purpose and plan that the Christ should come and suffer and die and rise again. And it is just as much God's purpose and will and plan that the message of Jesus goes to the world. If we don't believe verse 46, or or if we question it, then we get called a heretic. And rightly so. What do we get called if we don't do verse 47? We we hold back from (laughs) naming the heretic word there, don't we? we? We somehow think that getting out with the gospel, well, it's for special people who call missionaries and send them out and uh, we kind of like uh, don't, don't, don't see the importance of both and holding them together. It is as much God's plan that the gospel should go to the world as it was that his son should come and do- suffer and die and rise again for you and for me. And it's, you know, it, that ought to lead us to, to have greater confidence as we go and reach out to, to others. So uh, the, the first thing that I want to say is let's be confident. Mission is the Father's will. Be confident. Mission is the Father's will. The message of repentance and forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ is for Iraq. You see that, don't we? Repentance uh, uh, and uh, forgiveness preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. It's for Iraq. It's for Iran. It's for Pakistan. It's for Muslims. It's for Bradford. It's for Japanese people. It's for Chinese people. It's for Buddhists. It's for India. It's for Hindus. It's for the United States of America and Europeans. It's for atheists. Uh, The other day, um, I don't often read uh, uh, the Church Times. I I, I, uh, happen to be reading the Church Times. There's a wonderful little cartoon in it which uh, had, uh, you know, it was relating to these bendy buses in London with you know, the slogan, you know, God probably doesn't exist, so don't worry, enjoy your life. Uh, just before Christmas, I was rung up by Sheffield, uh, Sheffield Radio and I was interviewed 
uh, with uh, one of the women who's behind that, uh, that whole campaign. Well, this, uh, this little cartoon uh, was a guy stood at a bus stop uh, just outside a church building. So he's there, stood at the bus stop, uh, and uh, the church is behind him. Uh, and then the church notice board is right there behind him, and the church notice board said this, there probably won't be a bus. <laughs> so why didn't you come on in and enjoy yourself? I thought it was great. The gospel is for atheists. The gospel is for agnostics. The gospel is for consumerists and materialists, people like us and the people we live amongst. The gospel is for hedonists. Uh, and uh, evangelism, mission, church planting, it, it really, it, it's the bread and butter. It is the core of Christian life, it's the core of church life. Evangelism and church planting and mission, it, it's, it's the, it should be the bread and butter of the agenda of the PCC. Uh, and uh, a wonderful opportunity today, as a church family, for you folks to buy into it too. To give generously to, uh, to God's will and purposes. The Father's will, His mission. So yes, I want to be a part of that. I may not go, but I want to support those that have. Uh, Look at uh, verses 48 and 49 uh, of uh, uh, Luke 24. Jesus goes on and he says, You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. So you are witnesses of these things. You disciples, Jesus says, uh, are an important part of God's plan, God's will, to get out with the message of the gospel to the whole world. It's you who are going to carry out God's plan. Uh, Which uh, connects us uh, with with the second book. So turn over to uh, the book of Acts, uh, uh, and uh, Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So, book one, all that Jesus began to do, what was accomplished in Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, and now all that Jesus carried on doing, continued to do, from heaven, through his Holy Spirit, in carrying out the second part of God's great plan and purpose to reach the world with the Gospel. And it's the disciples who are called to carry that out. His disciples ask him a question there in uh, verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus, well, there's a lot of things you won't ever have the answer to, you won't know about. Uh, But here's something you do know. Uh, He says that you won't know, it's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. But, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Be confident, mission is the Father's will but be evangelistic, secondly, it's Jesus' calling. It's Jesus' calling here. The first disciples were called by the Lord Jesus to be witnesses in Jerusalem and then Judea. And, and uh, as the book of Acts unfolds, that's Acts chapters 1 to 7. 
He then calls them and sends them to be his witnesses in Samaria. That's Acts chapter 8 to 12. And then on to the ends of the earth. That's Acts chapter 13 through to Acts chapter 28 where we find Paul right there in the heart of the Roman Empire in Rome itself. There's Jesus calling to be evangelistic and um, to move out, as it were, from the centre. That's always going to be the right way to do things. So to move from our Jerusalem to our Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's got to be right uh, to, uh, to press out from, from the fringes, from our homes to our neighbours, from our small groups to the networks of our friends, from uh, our congregation on a Sunday to plant another congregation somewhere else in the city, from, from the city, from the congregation to be thinking of the county, the area in which we live from our own congregation, from our city, from our county, to be thinking the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. It's always going to be the right thing to do to have a strategy that pushes us out. Always going to be the right thing to do. The Father's will, it's the Lord Jesus' calling. So, how is it going with your own personal part in this uh, thing that you're doing as a church this year, one plus one equals 2,000. It's a church with uh, a thousand or so folk who come on a Sunday. It's a wonderful way of of getting everybody to own own the responsibility, isn't it? Me plus a friend equals us as a church growing for God's glory and, and heaven being populated. It's a great strategy, isn't it? To, to uh, yeah, so we all sense uh, uh, and know uh, that we are a part of God's agenda, part of his plan, part of his will. So how is it going? You got some people to pray for? It's got to be that I always forget to pray. I'm foolish, I am. And I, sometimes I think I can do a better job of God's job than Jesus because I, I demonstrate that in, in not praying. And then just spending time with them, present, so that getting to know them, the way they think. Understand the questions that they've got to ask. Maybe you've been thinking about going on the church plant, which uh, Ed's about to head off and lead. Have you filled in the form and let him have it? I mean, you may not go, but it's the right question to ask, isn't it? If, it, if, if the call of the gospel is to keep pushing out, it's the right question to ask. And can I say, I don't know if Ed has said this, I'll say something on, on his behalf here. Uh, it's from kind of a little bit from my own experience and other church planters' experience. There's an age thing that goes on when you start a new church. Uh, and uh, generally churches uh, are younger, new churches are younger than the minister who leads them. So if like me you're 39 and stand at the front and say, I'm leaving, anyone want to come? Generally people will be 39 or younger. And that was true. We had one or two brave hearts who uh, came and thought, well, I'll follow a younger man. You know, it's, it's to do with... Um, There's a human dynamic that goes on. If you think of an X and Y axis and the minister in the middle, then generally people who are older and younger, if one of them is history, time, and the other is age, generally people who are older or there before will work against the minister. It tends to happen, let's be honest. That's the way things go, isn't it, often? And those who are younger and came after will tend to work with the minister. 
And so you stand up and say, I'm leaving. Generally, it will be people who arrived after you, who were younger than you, who leave. So I think it's a bit of a call, perhaps. I don't know. That's a very young man. We're all older than him here. (laughs) Except one or two up there. I think it's right for some folks to come. I mean, if if the folks who are older than me uh, aren't there on a Sunday at Christchurch Central, I feel vulnerable. I think, well, if the maturity here is me, there's no hope. Another call for those who are born earlier. So think about it. Won't be easy. That's the right clear the right thing to think about, isn't it, and pray about. If it's to you know, call is to push out. And maybe cross cultural mission has been on your heart for some time. Maybe you've got to the stage and you've taken retirement. Maybe you're a bit younger and it's, it's been in your mind and your heart for some time. You just see it's impossible. Children and what about education? All those other questions. And, and maybe you are gifted with languages and maybe you naturally do get on with people from other parts of the world and other cultures. Well, speak to your small group leader. Speak to one of the leaders and ask the question. It's the right question to ask, isn't it? Because it's, it's God's will that we get out there with the gospel. You may not go, but ask the question if it's there in your heart, mind and your thinking. It's right, isn't it? Ian e. Blakelock said of the book of Acts, to press out from the fringe is always sound policy, provided it is done with vigour and devotion. It's a great little summary, isn't it? Be confident, Father's plan. Be evangelistic. Jesus is calling. Of course, we'll feel small, we'll feel frail, we'll feel weak. We will fear. We will lack resources. We will doubt our strategy. We will feel like we're swimming against the tide. We won't feel experienced enough. We will feel we don't have all the answers. That's so good, isn't it? Someone like Robin come up and share this morning. Uh, it's a great thing to be doing over these next weeks as someone to get to the front and say, actually, this is how I begin to answer that sort of question myself. Yeah, and I, what I found very striking with what Robin said was, yeah, the uniqueness of Jesus is not just a cold, factual thing. It's a winsome thing. The uniqueness, where else do we find the love of God being demonstrated other than in Jesus? That's why it's the uniqueness is a wonderful thing. I found that very helpful. But there will become times where we think, we're out there telling people about our faith. Well, I wish Robin was here with me. Or we'll forget it and, you know, forget what he said and I often feel like I, I fouled it all up. And, or I, I leave and I replay the video or the DVD in my mind and wish, oh, I wish I'd said that. And we'll, ne- we'll never have all the answers. We will feel overwhelmed. That's why the third thing is so important and so wonderful. Uh, verse 8 here, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit really was coming on these guys and they really would be his witnesses. And Luke gives example after example of the courage the Holy Spirit gives to God's people who carry out God's plan. And uh, a a number of times he emphasises the outpouring of God's Spirit to underline that the Holy Spirit really does come on all believers. So in Acts chapter 2, we find the Spirit being poured out on the Jewish church. So the Holy Spirit's for the Jewish church. 
We read on and we find in chapter 8 the Holy Spirit being poured out on the Samaritan church. So the, the Holy Spirit is given to the Samaritans for them to carry on with their mission. And then in uh, chapter 10 we find the Holy Spirit being poured out on the Gentile church. So the Holy Spirit's for the Gentiles to get them going out, keeping God's will and plan for the world, taking the gospel to all people. All Jesus' followers receive the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit, helping and making us courageous in uh, following God's will and plan. And uh, great examples there in chapter, just turn on to uh, chapter 4. A great example of, of the Spirit's power is there on Peter and John. They're up against the religious leaders who tell them to shut up, uh, not to speak uh, uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and uh, what, what happens? Well, uh, Peter, is, uh, Peter speaks about the uniqueness of Jesus we were hearing earlier on in verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And well, how do the, uh, the religious leaders and this, uh, the, the key leaders, the powerful people of the day, well, how do they react? Well, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Well, they had been. But Luke clues us in, if you just turn back and look at verse 8, they hadn't just been with Jesus, Jesus is still with them. That's what Luke tells us back in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, uh, and takes them on. It's the Spirit who's there, giving them the power and uh, the courage that they need. So, these few uneducated men took on the world, uh, do we believe that for ourselves? Uh, it's a real calling for us to be aware of the Holy Spirit. To trust Him and His presence with us. Uh, I mean, I, so many times I, I found this doubt going on in my mind and my heart. You know, when I'm, I'm in a situation and uh, got an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. And, you know, our secular culture, it, it doesn't say it out, doesn't tell us to shut up out loud, does it? But I just feel that's the right thing to do. Don't say anything. And so I find myself stepping back from the conversation and, 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 and clamming down and thinking, no, I'd better not, you know, the timing appropriate and you know it's not probably not right time to say it I don't know really how I'd phrase it and so I step back whereas if I remember God's Holy Spirit is with me I don't step back I graciously step forward so I'm going to trust the promise I'm going to rely in faith and God's Spirit present with me and I'm going to step out and I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to speak and yeah, I might look back and think, well, you're a right twit there. You, you know, you didn't quite say it how you should have done. But it's the right thing to do, isn't it? To trust God's Spirit. I think it's right to even pray at times, isn't it? Pray, you know, Lord God, I depend upon your Holy Spirit. When was the last time we prayed that? And then lived like we believed that we really do depend 
and that he really is going to keep his promise and be with us. I think it's such an important thing to do. And, and so liberating in our, in our secular context, which is, he just wants us to shut up. Oh, God's Spirit, open our mouths uh, and, and speak. The Holy Spirit's power is given to give us confidence to follow up on God's plan, to take the gospel to the world and gives us the courage that we lack. The Holy Spirit widens our horizons. Uh, the Holy Spirit's quest is the world uh, and his quest for the world begins with your neighbour and my neighbour. Uh, as church and as individuals, we will never have all the right answers. Uh, as a church and as individuals, we will never be sufficient. As church and as individuals, we will never have perfect plans. As church and individuals, we will never have the wisest strategy. I can vouch that. Over the last six years, planning, strategizing over a new church, we have a, a blank sheet of paper. You, know, you can fill it how you want. Go for it. It's you know, every church leader's dream. Uh, and then week one, you realize that you're planning your strategy and there's only one person to blame if it all goes wrong. Because <laughs> there's no previous vicar. There's no previous church leaders. It's yours. <laughs> and uh, amazingly and wonderfully, I mean, as I look back, we've grown. And we've often grown despite my plans. Well, my best laid ideas haven't worked out at all. I could write a book of them all. But we've grown. We've seen people come to faith. You see, we'll never have the wisest plans and uh, perfect strategies but we have someone a million times better. God's Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 8 of chapter 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Do we believe that? Will we live it? Today, we've got the opportunity to, with our money, generously, say yes we do, we'll buy into it. Let's pray.